Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm joined, as always, by Keith Sargent, James Cratch. Fellas, never thought this day would come. We have a roster. It's like it's like a national holiday. And, and the fans have forgotten. It, it, it is a national holiday. Well, it is a national holiday, yes. But it used to be Columbus Day. Uh, and then they tried to turn it into Indigenous People Day. And now it's National Roster Day for Rutgers. It's very exciting. It's on the calendar. Look it up. Uh, in case you forgot what a roster is, it's a list of names with positions and heights and weights, hometowns. Uh, and there are 123 players on, on the Rutgers roster, more than we expected. Uh, not a lot of news, Cratch, but there's a, there was a pretty big surprise on there, and, it, and it's, it's a huge development, right? Yeah, it's a big one. Alan Loomer, who obviously he declared for the NFL draft in January. Uh, you know, one, I, some people ask me, you know, people never understood why he did it. You know, he, he's older, so it was one of the things where he felt it was kind of now or never. But then obviously the pandemic hits. His pro day gets canceled. You know, they, they did the best. He worked at a test football academy in Martinsville. You know, they did, you know, they had their pro day there. But, you know, he obviously goes undrafted, goes unsigned. And in hindsight, Back in June, uh, Michael Turk, the Arizona State punter, same sort of situation, signed with an agent, went through the pre-draft process, actually kicked at the scouting combine right before the pandemic hit, went undrafted, went unsigned. He was given his eligibility back by the NCAA. It was kind of an unprecedented situation. And today we learn, it sounds like Ellen Loomer, once that happened, thought, you know, I'd like to go back to Rutgers. Obviously, this NFL thing did not work out and all the circumstances that kind of impacted him. So they filed a similar waiver. They got it cleared. So he's back. And look, he was the best pass rusher Rutgers had the last two seasons and that's not necessarily saying a whole lot because Rutgers has been so bad at, at rushing the passer in recent seasons but he's a guy who's got an ability and now he's going to be put with you know Jim Panagos uh, a defensive line coach it's developed a lot of guys like him so it's a big pickup for Rutgers um, right not really a, a transfer in per se but just an unexpected surprise to add to the roster and sorry, you, you figure that when you, when you take a guy like him with his pass rushing ability, an aggressive coach like Greg Schiano, and not to mention the fact that now, you know, this defensive line is going to have, I mean, far more depth and talent. So, I mean, offenses can't just, you know, key, on, key in on him as the only guy can get to the passer. I mean, you know, that, that's a huge deal. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that we talked about in the summer. That could be one of the question marks. I think we might have talked about it on an earlier podcast about defensive line depth. That, I mean, when, when, you, when you have a guy as, as accomplished as, as uh, Lamour is, that really alleviates a lot of, a lot, a lot of issues. We assume that uh, Mike Tverdoff is going to start on the other, uh, on the other edge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, beyond that, I mean, I think there's some, there's some depth. Maybe a, a little question mark on, on the interior line, but 
you know, for the most part, I think one of the bigger question marks was alleviated today. Yeah, and I'm prepared now to say that, you know, that the defensive line could be and probably is going to be the most improved position on this team. Now, the flip side of that coin is the offensive line, and the roster had a bit of bad news in that uh, Mike Lonsdorf has opted to opt out of the COVID season. Uh, I, we didn't have him penciled in crash as a starter, but certainly, you know, he's a guy who would have been in, a, in some sort of rotation and maybe could have been a starter. Uh, are we looking at this season now where – you know, this might this whole thing might be derailed by the fact that they can't build an offensive line. Is that is that where we're headed here? You think? I think there's a good chance. Yeah, obviously, Lonsdorf is a guy who, if he wasn't going to start, you know, and he started at eight games at left tackle last year, he started at guard in the past. If he wasn't going to start, he probably was going to be the first guy off the bench, given his versatility and the fact he can play guard and tackle. I think there's a very good chance that this does derail them because we knew coming in that Greg Schiano and his staff had to rebuild. You know, this the Big Ten is a line of scrimmage conference. They had to rebuild the offensive line. Had to rebuild the defensive line they have done a tremendous job bringing in defensive linemen but there's a trade-off when you bring in a dozen new defensive linemen I think now when you count Loomer that means you don't necessarily get to bring in as many offensive linemen there are several offensive linemen in this coming 2021 class committed so help is on the way but this year in year one especially now that you're best offensive lineman is the starting center at Missouri and just helped beat the def- reigning national champion out in the Midwest. It, you might be in a situation where you don't have a lot of depth, not, not, especially now that Lonsdorf's out. You might be playing a lot of young guys. It, it could get pretty ugly on this offensive line. Yeah, you're talking about Maietti, obviously, out in, in Mizzou beating LSU. Uh, it's the second straight year where, where an offensive lineman has gone from the Rutgers program uh, to, a, to, a, to another, another program in a powerhouse situation. Uh, Sarge, what's your take? I mean, is this, is this position group as big a concern as it certainly looks like on paper? Well, keep in mind, we haven't heard, uh, gotten a, a ton of – all the practices have been closed, so we can't really uh, lay eyes on, on you know, the, uh, the, the pressing issues of the day, um, which is, you know, offensive line and, you know, quarterback and some of the other positions that we're, we're uncertain on. However, um, and, you know, I, I'll speak for Cratch. I know he, you know he has pretty good sources. We both heard that the offensive line has been, been struggling, you know, so far midway through um, preseason camp. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think it's a big surprise. I mean, you look at the, la- the, the depth. I mean, I think we on paper, you know, you know we've been talking about this since the summer. I mean, we saw that uh, Brendan Bordner was moved from the defensive line to the offensive line. He's a guy who I know uh, Greg Schiano uh, knew from uh, when he was in, in Ohio. Um, I, I would expect that Bordner has a really good, a good chance to start. You don't move a guy this late in his career from defensive line to offensive line if, if that's not going to be the case. Um, Nick Freeman is another guy who, who Graciano said some positive things about uh, today during the uh, conference call. So I would uh, imagine that he's probably your one, uh, you know, certain guy to, to pencil in as, as your starter. But beyond there, that, there's just a ton of questions with this offensive line. All right, a lot of other roster tidbits. Uh, we had one guy we thought might be in the quarterback, Mitch Peyton Powell, listed as a DB. Uh, another guy who we thought should switch positions, Johnny Langan, still listed as a quarterback. Uh, Cratch, break, break it down for me. What, what other surprises, what other things jumped off the page t- today for you when you looked at it? Well, I think the, the big one is Powell. I always expected he was going to end up there at, you know, in a defensive, you know, secondary, just because while I understand that, you know, 
initially he was going to get a chance to play quarterback during spring ball before that got wiped out. When you add Vedrill and you have Sikowski and you have Langan, you have three quarterbacks who've started Big Ten games. And for a guy that, you know, left Baylor because they didn't want him to play quarterback and it never seemed like Rutgers was terribly enthused about the idea of him being a quarterback when he committed here, it just makes sense that you'd go to the secondary place where they've got a lot of depth issues too. Because, you know, you, especially at safety, we, we don't know – it sounds like he might be working at corner right now, but with his size, you've lost Barrow, you know, you've lost TJ Robinson, you've lost other guys in that secondary. You're going to need to add depth at safety and at cornerback. Other than that, I mean, I will be honest, this roster was about what we expected. Don't know if we needed 10 months to hammer out all these <laughs> changes, but it, it, nothing was, you know, really jumped off the page. I think quietly Owen Bowles, um, who was kind of like a, a backup, you know, center in the past few years, he's not on the roster. I, I think that's of note just because we assume C.J. Hansen is going to start at center. There's not much depth behind him. So I think the, the especially with, with Lonsdorf and Bowles not on the roster, I think the odds of a Brian Felter or a Tundi Federkasi playing as a true freshman have increased. I'm also intrigued to see what they do with Reggie Sutton. He's a guy who's a true freshman here as a blocking tight end. He's played some tackle. He's played some guard. I think he worked at center some uh, his freshman year. A.J. Blazek had him do that in practice. He's a guy who I think could potentially really be a factor in – Greg, as Greg Shiano talked about, finding that core, the best five guys they can put on the field with that line. Sorry, you've seen a lot of Rutgers rosters over the years. Uh, where does this one shape up? Is it? I mean, it certainly seems like it's it's more talented than than last year. Maybe the last couple of years. That's not saying a lot. I mean, what were your overall impressions? Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about the, just the ability, and we're going to be breaking this down, uh, Crash and I, over the next couple of days, is how much they flipped the roster. But I, I, you know, I think, you know, we saw some of the guys who, who the, the transfers that 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 Greg Schiano, um brought in uh, have, you know, hit the roster. You know, a guy like Malik Barrow is a guy who I'm intrigued to see. You know, we talked about the defensive line, the interior de- defensive line, uh, Dwumpour as well is another guy who has a really good chance to start uh, right away. You know, uh, you know, transfer from Michigan, um, Barrow from, from Ohio State, you know, two guys who I think, you know, have Big Ten experience. I think they're going to uh, be able to start uh, probably from day one. Uh, Greg Shannon had a conference call today, his, his second one uh, in two weeks. We're getting some access. Uh, not getting a lot of answers from the head coach, although he's asked a couple of questions, especially about offense and his quarterback situation. Uh, the thing that struck me, guys, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, he seems open to playing either one of those quarterbacks, but they are extremely different players in Sikowski and, and Vedral. Uh, you know, the idea that you can play both of them while running any sort of coherent system – it's unusual. I mean, what, what is your take, Cratch? Do you, do you think that this is going to be a team that, you know, sees multiple quarterbacks, in the, even if both those guys stylistically are different players? Yes. I, my big takeaway from what Greg Shannon said, and he, he talked a lot about the quarterbacks, didn't say a whole heck of a lot when you kind of read between the lines. But he, I did ask him, hey, given, you know, the, the fact that you haven't had spring ball, that, you know, you, these guys have never played for you and your staff that you've had this weird coronavirus season. Everyone gets a free year of eligibility. Would you consider a platoon? You know, would you, cause I think we're going to see a lot of that. Well, we don't really know who the best right guard is. So we're going to play both of them and let it kind of play out during the games. And he didn't say yes. He didn't say no, but the vibe I got was that whoever is the starting quarterback will not have a very long leash just because Greg talked to how he thought it was important that just because you make a decision at one point doesn't mean 
mean you don't you can't change that decision if you feel like that's necessary a week or two weeks down the road. So if Noah Vedrill is a starting quarterback and he doesn't play well, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to go to Art Sikowski or they're going to go to Johnny Langan. You agree, Sarge? Yes. Um, and Greg Ciano, um, if you remember his history, right, um, go back – 2008 season, mm-hmm. um, where where Mike Keel, you know, was accomplished quarterback. 2006, you know, you know, obviously he was a starting quarterback, and then 2007 had you know had had a uh, really really uh, uh, solid year as well. There there were questions whether or not he was going to bench him, and then uh, he took a lot of heat, you know, to to, to play Don Natale. Greg Schiano, I think, learned from from that. I think you know he, he talked about today about the ability to be able to. You know, change. You know, just because you make a decision one day, you don't 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 be afraid to 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 change it the next day. Um, I think you know, Graciano is not going to play around. I think we all know this is a ten game season. It's going to be a wacky uh, year at that, and you know, he's really building for the future. Cratch has talked about a, a lot before. You know, with 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 uh, you know, no concerns about redshirting or, or burning any eligibility. I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Evan Simon, you know, see some time. You know, I I think Graciano really wants to spend this season. He wants to win games, of course, which uh, which would probably indicate that at least early on he's going to probably play the guy who gives him the best chance to win. But at some point, I think he's probably going to have to experiment a little bit. Right, and there's going to be, a, I imagine, a great deal of experimentation. We still don't know what this, I mean, what this offense is going to look like. You know, we 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 know we know what Gleason brings with him. We've seen his systems before, but you know, the fact he was brought here be, so he can adapt the system to the talent around him. Well, we all know what that means. That means finding a way to get quick passes to to keep the pressure off the quarterback to find the running game uh, when it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a shaky offensive line. Cratch, I mean, what's your overall sense by just putting together the pieces of what you've heard? looking at the roster now as to to what fans can expect from this offense. Will it be better than last year? I mean, it's got to be better than last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I go back to that that famous scene in Apollo 13 where Ed Harris is at Mission Control, and he kind of – he goes, all right, so what do we got on the spaceship that's good, that works? Uh, I think that's what Sean Gleason has to do. And as you said, we haven't seen any practices. When I look at this roster, okay, I know the offensive line is not going to be strong. We've got Pacheco, who's the best player on the offense. You've got a bunch of tight ends and receivers that are unproven. I think you're going to look at spread them out, wide splits on the line, shotgun. You know, you figure Noah Vedrill, you know, that's why I think we all kind of pointed towards Vedrill maybe having the edge over Art as a starter just because he has that ability with his legs. And, you know, you kind of run heavy and quick passes. I mean, just try to kind of smoke and mirrors a little bit. I think that's what they have to do. Now, who knows? Maybe you and I will get to East Lansing in a couple of weeks and they'll come out in the wing tee and, and try to run the ball three yards in a cloud of dust every play. I don't think that's going to happen, but you don't know. But my guess is – they up tempo, spread it out, and, and just try to kind of get angles and, and and spacing, and try to zone read their way to some success. It's interesting, Sarge. That's, that's a great that's a that's a great Apollo thirteen reference. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some vacuum cleaner really, parts. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just hope that uh, you know at one point that uh, Sean Gleason doesn't radio into Graciano and say, "Houston, we have a problem." <laughs> Come on, you got you see what I did there? That's good. Yeah, it was, that was a good line. Come on. Come on. Come on. That, that's the best I got over here, guys. You're trying. You're trying. It's, it's a free <laughs> podcast. 
Uh, sorry, it's historically you have been for here for all of Shiano or most of Shiano. You know, the one thing that's striking while he has a, a set defensive philosophy, certainly that's been pretty consistent. The offensive philosophy has shifted. So, I mean, we, we saw yep. wildcat days. We've seen, you know, you obviously Ray Rice, uh, you know, 40 carries a game day. Uh, you know, um, so, I mean, I, I think that that's the biggest mystery about this team, right? I mean, just, just what kind of, you know, what kind of system, what kind of offense, you know, and he, he I asked him about it today and, he really, it was a, it was KG Greg. He didn't offer a lot of insight. He said he wanted to turn the ball over less. I mean, he gave you he gave you the sort of platitudes that anyone would give about an offense. Yeah, we had breadcrumbs from from uh, you know signs from from Shungli's in his past, um, and I, I think you know he's probably going to be some sort of up tempo, um, play fast. Um, and I think it make kind of makes sense. We talked about the offensive line issues, but you know one way to kind of alleviate that is for the quarterbacks to get the ball out quick. So. I would expect him to play fast from that standpoint. He talked about uh, trying to be a physical team. Well, everyone wants to be a physical team, right? I think, yeah, that's kind of the purpose right. of football. But then ball control, I think that's going to be like the big thing because I just remember Greg Gianna back in the day had no tolerance, no, no, no coach. It's not like any coach yeah, has tolerance for, for fumbles and, and interceptions, but Greg Gianna was you know, like just famous for it. I mean, he, he would have, you know, posters inside the Hale Center of like players with good ball, ball control, you know, having the ball tucked. So, I mean, he really has no patience for, for fumbling the ball. Yeah, I, I would think that's going to be a big emphasis for the running backs right now. Absolutely. Okay, this is, we've, this is the furthest we've gotten into a podcast in, in months without the words COVID and 19. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, it, you know, so far so good with the Big Ten, at least based on, you know, no news reports uh, that, have, that have leaked about it. Cracks, though, if you're like me and you're watching the NFL that is just rearranging its schedule, you know, it changing games just to accommodate a couple of teams, Patriots, Titans. I mean, what's your level of confidence going into this, you know, now that we're less than two weeks away? Yeah, I think what it's really going to come down to, and obviously I, I've been working to talk to some, a couple experts in the past few days, been working on a story. What it's, I think it's really going to come down to is the big distinction of – the NFL is still using these daily PCR tests that, you know, they're the gold standard for accuracy, but there's a little bit of a lag time uh, as we're kind of seeing with, with the results turning around. The big key is going to be, you know, is this big 10 gamble on rapid antigen testing? You know, and Greg Shannon has talked about it. You test in the morning before you go into meetings within an hour, you have a result for everyone on the team. Is that going to be enough a to keep the virus out of the you know out of the walls of each program, but B and I think this is going to be the big issue. Is it enough to negate the need to contact trace? Because all of these games that we are seeing uh, in college football and to some extent the NFL, it's not because of the number of positive cases they have. It's because of the fact that especially with college football, all right, two offensive linemen have it, so therefore the other 20, you know fifteen offensive linemen in the program have to go into quarantine for two weeks because they're close contacts. The Big Ten has been saying they believe that this daily testing is going to allow them to avoid that. But I've talked to some experts who say, like, yes, in theory you could, but at the same time you are rolling the dice that you're not going to keep a guy out of quarantine who then is going to spread it potentially uh, before he himself tests positive. So I think that's going to be the big key is can they avoid that sort of contact tracing? Can they avoid that situation where all of a sudden you don't have enough players to safely play a game just because you have so many in isolation rather than testing positive? Sarge, have anything to add on that one? 
Yeah, I, I think we, it's, <laughs> this season's going to be disjointed. It already is nationally. I mean, we've seen a lot of games nationally get get um, either wiped out. Granted, a lot of them have been non-conference, but and and uh, yeah, now we're getting the conference season. But yeah, I think you know we're we're seeing what everyone's talked about. You know, nationally, a second wave. We're seeing numbers increase in New Jersey. It's not to an alarming uh, uh, point yet, but it's. You know, concern. <laughs> it is. It, it really is. So you know, we're we're fast approaching this. Uh, you know, so-called second wave. I think we're going to see. You know, all along, I've said all along that that you know this season. You know, with the Big Ten deciding to come back, it was all about Ohio State and a few other schools that really, really desperately wanted to play because they had great teams, right? So you're going to see a team like Ohio State try to forge ahead and do everything they can, and then you're going to see some other schools that are just going to look at the numbers, and they're just going to be – there's going to be concern. I, I, you know, I, 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 whether Rutgers is one of them, they're saying all the right things. I know Greg Sciano is preparing, but yeah, I, I, I would – if I was a betting man, I would say that at some point that there are going to be some games in the Big Ten that are going to be canceled. All right, fellas, let's jump into the uh, Rutgers Insider questions. We launched a new service on the website this week, Rutgers Insider. You get uh, and some great some great content. Stars, I got to tell you, your stories. Your story on Miles Nash was excellent. One of the best stories we've done on Rutgers in many many years. I would even say just a, just an incredible piece about this kid, uh, what he overcome, he wants what he wants what he wants to do with his life uh, going forward. You should read that if you haven't, and if you haven't signed up for Rutgers Insider, what are you waiting for? Get get to it. Uh, we've had a bunch of bunch of great questions this week and some of them were hilarious i'm going to start with my favorite one uh why didn't the big 10 network televise the roster reveal jerry denardo opening shiano's vault huge ratings exclamation point i love it that would be can you matt did you watch that sarge you're old enough to watch that. oh i did watch that that was a huge heraldo huge deal huge deal yep that would have been good the roster reveal Sure, open it up and there'd just be a couple of broken bottles on the floor of the vault. That was, that was, my, that was incredible TV. All right, next question, true or false? Shiana will learn how to mute one of you on a post-game press conference Zoom this year. And if true, who will it be? All right, well, that's, I like this one. What do you think, if you, had a chance to, if you had a chance to hit mute on a Zoom, which one of us is getting muted? Sarge? Most years I would lean toward you, Politi, yeah. uh, with all due respect. I become a, I become a smoldering homer. Is what you're trying to say now? I'm, a little I'm so softer, impressed. softer than normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, um, yeah. but I, I, I'm gonna go outside. Of, I'm gonna say Cratch. Yeah. I mean, Cratch wow. has been a little, little pointed. I mean, they're, they're, you know, go back and, and read, uh, you know, some some yeah. of his leads. I, I think you know, Cratch. I mean, you know, he made it. I'm not saying anything that he he wouldn't agree to hear, but you know, the the roster you know perturbed him a little bit. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, think, I love the uh, fact he's calling. Sienna's already calling Cratch Cratch on the on the Zoom call he is, too. He is. <laughs> it, the way he said it too. I mean, whew, it was it was tough. So I think Cratch might be uh, you know the favorite in that category. How do you feel, Cratch? Great. <laughs> hey, yeah, it works for me. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. look, I'm I've as I always tell people, we are a conduit between the Rutgers fan base and the Rutgers football program, and the Rutgers fan base has had a lot of questions that have kind of gone unanswered in the past few weeks and months. So just trying to, to get the answers for our subscribers, nj.com slash text and uh, elsewhere. And to be, uh, to follow up on that, uh, to Cratch's point, you know, we, we've kind of let, you know, we, we've, you know, questioned it, but, you know, Graciano's pr- uh, practice uh, availability has been non-existent, um, which is certainly not, uh, we're not accustomed to not, not seeing any practices. You know, keep in mind, we're not complaining about it because I think you wrote about it the other day, uh, Politi. 
every single league, you know, professional league, every single organization, you know, in the country is, is, is eliminating access and understandably so. Major League Baseball doesn't have a locker room. Everyone's going to Zoom calls, completely understandable. However, that being said, you know, there are questions that need to be asked and availability to this point, you know, Greg Ciano was available today. He was available last Monday. We still haven't gotten players. Um, you know, the, the, the way these zoom calls, I'll give a little inside baseball is going to sound a little bit like a complaint, but um, you know, we, we, we each get one question. Um, I, I've actually tried to, uh, you know, ask two parters, Cratch asked a two parter just so we can get some, some questions in. But the only reason why we do it, is because there are a lot of questions to be asked in a typical press conference setting. You you've seen these you know on on YouTube or you know on any forum that that Rutgers uh, will 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 uh, socialize their, their, the press conferences. We ask a lot of questions, and you know this uh, you know preseason we haven't been able to get uh, a lot of questions asked. Um, so you know ultimately we're we're asking the same questions that, that a lot of Rutgers fans are asking us on on on, on the back channels. The, the same types of questions that Rutgers fans are asking on Twitter on on message boards, and we're just trying to get answers just like everyone else. Absolutely. <clears throat> Doing the best we can to serve the public. All right, next question. Uh, it's, it's, we've had a lot, of, a lot of questions along these lines. What does a successful season look like? How would you measure it? Two wins? Recruiting progress alone? Just being more competitive in league games? We know what a failing program an athletic department looks like. <laughs> That's good. Tell us what we should see that would tell us Shiano 2.0 is off to a promising start beyond, some, beyond the nice coaching hires, et cetera. Um, you know, all right. So I think, I think all of those things he mentions are part of it. I mean, obviously two wins. I would, I think you would sign that you would sign for that in blood right now, given the schedule. Uh, if you're competitive against the teams in the division, that's another big part of it. Really though, for me, it's, it's looking at this roster, feeling that it's, it's better coached, it's younger and that there are promising players coming through the pipeline. Do you agree, Sarge? I'll give you one a little bit more um, and it might not result in, in wins and losses. Maybe it will, but their passing has been so abysmal oh, yeah. the last couple of years, guys. And um, they've been down, you know, down to the bottom of the na- nation in passing offense down with the, the option teams. And it's been two, three years running now. If they can, I'm not saying they're going to be in the top half of the country, but if they can get a more and, uh, passing equates to, to, to excitement, right? So ha- give the fans something to, to, you know, be optimistic about, you know, you know, as we, as we move forward, give them some sort of life from a, you know, from an excitement level. Right. It was dreadful. It's been dreadful to watch. You're absolutely right about that. Cratch, do you, do you agree with the assessment on what success is defined? I do. I think, and look, I, I, I think it, I think they can do it, but we'll find out for sure in a couple of weeks, they need to win a game yeah. because if, especially with, you know, if they, if they go 0-9 in the big 10, then you're going into next year with a 30-game Big Ten losing streak. And in that season, if you go winless again in the conference, you are going to pass the Northwestern Dark Ages conference record for, for losing you know, consecutive conference losses. Uh, that can't happen. You cannot become the worst, uh, the worst run in the history of the Big Ten. I don't know if a Rutgers program can, can – you know, it sounds a little, a little extreme. Like it, it'd be really hard to even, even with Greg and the excitement and and the patience the fan base has to overcome topping. You know, the team that is considered maybe the worst in the history of major college football in that from that era. So you got to get a win, I think, and you have to keep that 2021 recruiting class as intact as possible. Uh, I think if you do those two things, 
you can you're pretty on pretty solid footing moving forward here's two two people this is how deep in the weeds we're going here with this one two different people asked about how many preferred walk-ons that shiano <laughs> brought in this season have panned out uh the, i i gotta defer to you guys i don't have an answer to that one do either one of you get a sense for any players who are preferred walk-ons that are gonna have a role in this team and or you know a role in this team in a couple of years I think they're they're optimistic about a bunch of those guys, and I think the the big key is, and I I've said this before, when you looked at the roster last year, there were not a lot of high schools and parts of the state represented uh, on the roster that you previously saw when you know Shiana's first time here, or even under in Kyle Flood. I think that was a big key. You need to get the jersey back into New Jersey's, you know, major college football team. And I think it was important for Greg to bring those guys in, because even if they don't play, you know, you have a kid like from, I think, I believe they have a kicker, walk-on kicker from Cranford. Cranford's a very successful high school football program that's, you know, very well coached, always contending for state titles. You want Cranford to have a kid who every time they go to a football game, they can look down on the sideline and see their guy there. That's how you build that pride in the program statewide. You build it up again. So I think there are a couple guys who maybe can contribute down the road, but the bigger issue is going to be getting more ties with the grassroots community in the state. Absolutely. Um, all right. This is, a, this is a really good one. Sorry, Sergeant. I think you can address it well. I've seen Greg Shiano more times on local media outlets in less than a year than I saw Chris Ash during his entire reign. Was that just another missed rugby tackle? Love it. Love that line. Uh, <laughs> on his part or a product of Greg Shiano's personality and vision? And I, I really think it is the latter. Greg understands that he, he's got one thing to sell at a place like Rucker, and that's the head coach himself. And you remember back in, in, the, in the glory days, Sarge, if he had a weekend off or if he had a Thursday night game and there was a chance to get on, to get on a helicopter and fly up to Bristol and be on that set, you know, just, just for, just for some FaceTime, you know, to show that he's an expert, he's sitting up there talking about college football. He did it. And, you know, and I'm surprised he hasn't had as much as that yet, but then again, it's been such an unusual time. That's a little harder. Your thoughts. That is a gr- first off. That's a great insider question. It's just a really, really good Rutgers insider question. Um, second off, you're hundred percent right, and I think it stems from Greg just knowing being a you know New York City uh, area guy. You know, growing up in it, and and um, I think you know he. I think he probably arrived here, looked at the media landscape, and you know back in the day, he, you know he would have the, the normal beat guys, right. You know, the, the Gannett crew that, you know, the, the couple guys from the ledger, you know, so, some people from Trentonian on and on and on. So there would probably be six or seven daily beat people, you know, you know, in, in a given week. And then he would, they would really hope, you know, at least once or twice a week, they would get some of the New York papers, maybe the Philadelphia newspaper. And with, whenever they would come out, Greg would always be able to, 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 to talk to them about the local guys, like whether, you know, if he was talking to, uh, to Hoops Weiss from, from the Daily News, you know, he would make a big point to talk about, you know, some of the New York guys on the roster. If he was talking to the guys from the Philadelphia Inquirer, we'd be talking about the South Jersey and the Philadelphia guys. So Greg just knows the media landscape, you know, him going on, on, on Fox uh, 5 uh, last, last night and a few of the others, like I think he understands that the New York market – you know, as much as it's 2020 and maybe you know, typical recruits don't, you know, aren't watching that per se, there are coaches, there are still a segment of people who, who might, might catch it and be intrigued by it. Uh, Greg, you know, is trying to control his own media from that standpoint and trying to get his own message out, out there as much as he can. Um, it's smart. You know, I, I'm not surprised by it, but it's like one of the things that he's really, really good at.
Yep, and that and that's a big part of a uh, big part of why they hired him. And I did the, the program cro- programmatic stuff beyond coaching. Uh, all right, here here's a good one that I scratch. I think uh, you should field. Which team will put more talent on the field in the Big Ten opener, Sparty or the Fighting <laughs> Shianos? Uh, is there is it gotten to the point where we can say that that Rutgers is equalizing talent level with a program that's clearly going in the wrong direction the last few years in Michigan State? I don't think we're there yet, but we're we're probably getting close. You know, I, Michigan State did not recruit terribly well uh, toward the end of the the Mark D'Antonio era, and obviously they're having some success, especially in New Jersey early on with Mel Tucker. But at the same time, too, uh, I'm kind of skeptical about the long-term outlook uh, for Michigan State with Mel Tucker. It just seems to me that it was kind of a, a weird situation with a weird timing with D'Antonio leaving so late in the game. And then obviously when you couldn't get probably Luke Fickle loose from Cincinnati, you bring a guy in Mel Tucker who didn't have much success at Colorado before he bolted there. So uh, I'm, a, I'm skeptical about if he's going to, this is going to be anything more than kind of the, the sound and fury that like we've seen, we saw at Maryland at the beginning of the DJ Durkin era before things, uh, obviously you hope that doesn't go as bad at Michigan State as did at Maryland. But I, I, I don't think Rutgers is there yet, but I think in a year or two, yes, they might have more talent than Michigan State. All right. <clears throat> Another question from a Steve P, which I like, and it goes back to the quarterbacks. And I know we addressed this a little bit, but, uh, but it, it is, it is still a good point when you have, you know, how does Shiano plan to use art as quarterback? He's obviously in an RPO type quarterback. So if the new offense is going to lean in that direction, where does that leave art? And it's a great point because I really don't think, you know, we talked about it a little earlier in the podcast that this is going to be a situation where some, you're going to be able to make a five to seven step drop back and uh, get against these pass rushers with this offensive line and have good success. Uh, you know, Scratch, does that change your opinion of the quarterback race? Is it is it not just a talent thing, but it's just a necessity thing? Well, why by art might not be the guy? I think that definitely will play a role, uh, you know, play a role in the whole process. I will say this. Art is not, you know, Art is not like a dual threat quarterback by, as you think about it conventionally. I do think he can move a little bit more than he's given credit for, you know, and I think that he, there is a way. So I, the way I would say is if Sean Gleason is as good of an offensive coordinator as we believe he is, as Greg Shiano clearly believes he is, he'll find a way to run his offense with Art as the quarterback and make Art successful. I do think there are things they can do, maybe not as much of a quarterback run threat as it would be with Bedrill or Langan, but I, I think, you know, uh, I know they've struggled the last two weeks, but I go back to, you know, I watched a lot of the Mississippi State LSU game the ability Mike Leach has for his quarterback to take a snap and just have guys wide open with no one within a mile of them. That's all scheme. And I think if, if, Rutgers can create a system where they can successfully scheme guys open quickly and Art has to make, you know, just easy, quick throws. He could kind of fit a Gleason offense. He might, but, so, but, but Sarge, so many, so many turnovers though. I mean, that that was, we forget that when he was out there, he made a lot of bad decisions. He got better last year, um, you know, in, in the limited time early on in the year um, with that. And Cratch is right. I mean, you know, this is a guy, a guy who is, um, you know, deceptively, uh, you know, is faster than a lot of people probably give him credit for. I think, again, I think it's going to be, you know, we're going to see an offense when, when Greg Giano says he wants a fast-moving, fast-paced offense. 
Um, he's talking about getting the ball out quickly, uh, to be clear. So those uh, dump off hitch passes right away, those, you know, those are going to be the things that we're going to see in this offense. I, you know, I, I, I think the, the quarterback, yeah, and look, you know, I've seen a lot of tape. I, you know, go back to a couple months ago when he first arrived, um, James Crash did a great, um, you know, video, you know, a, 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 a breakdown of Noah uh, Vedral. And, you know, it's just how you might potentially fit this offense. Go back and, and, and look at it. You know, certainly there's a lot to, from his Nebraska days that, that, that indicate that he, he's a good fit for it. I'm just saying, just don't discount uh, Sikowski from the standpoint that, you know, he's quote-unquote not the typical dual threat. He ran it in high school. He ran it in IMG. He got better in the limited times that we saw him last year before he opted to redshirt. Um, I would not discount him from, from, from the competition. All right, one more. This, 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 this one really goes at the heart of things here in fall 2020. Do we think Rutgers gets out to a better start this season than both teams that play at MetLife Stadium? Whew, man, it's tough, I tell you. Sundays, Sundays are tough in this house watching these football games. 0-5 Jets, 0-5 Giants. Somebody asked me what I thought the combined record would be of Jets, Giants, and Rutgers this year. I think the Giants, are, I think the Giants probably will win three or four games. The Jets aren't going to win a game. And if I put if I put one or two on Rutgers, that means we that we could be like if doing the math in my head. That's thirty two plus nine, forty one. So you could be like three and thirty eight this year. What do you think? Well, I think I, I picked them to beat Michigan State in the opener, so did, I, I, I would say yes. I I don't know how I'm gonna stick with that, but yeah, I I will stick with that. Yes, I do think that they'll start one and zero, which is better than zero and five. One and zero this week. Wow, we haven't used that one in a while. It's been a long time. All right, fellas, anything else you want to do? Quick basketball segment. Uh, uh, you know, there was some news in that program, scheduling-wise, depth-wise, scratch. Yeah, so obviously uh, Caleb McConnell out for the season, a tough blow, I think. I mean, not nece- I don't think it's necessarily a loss that you sit there and say, okay, this team is – now not going to be able to make the NCAA tournament because of it, but still, and he's a guy who was, you know, good defensive player, very versatile, gave him a lot of quality minutes, played a lot last year when Gio was injured. So that, that's a tough thing for them. Also tough to kind of lose that, you know, Jimmy V game with Baylor. I know a lot of fans were excited about that, but when you think about it, it, it just never really made sense for Rutgers to, take the team to Orlando and to be stuck there for a few days in a kind of an ESPN's own testing system where they could play the game. So I, I think you look for Rutgers to, with the exception of the Big Ten ACC game, to kind of play a local non-conference schedule, which is what they should have been doing, you know, forever anyway. Obviously, you know, Baylor at MSG would have been a little bit different. Uh, hopefully they keep the Seton Hall game. I, I know there's a, a desire on both sides, but I think the longer we go with the Big East and the Big Ten not setting a conference schedule, and it seems like Seton Hall is a little bit more open to kind of these far-flung bubble-type setups in the non-conference, you kind of have to wonder maybe that game won't happen this year. But I will say this. If you can't play Seton Hall, I know people are going to give me crap for this, you got to play Princeton. Wow. Yeah, and no, I agree with you there. Uh, and it's amazing. I will say that, like, uh, the, the level of preseason hype about this team is extraordinary. I mean, I'm looking at yeah. social media. There was, a, there was a, you know, a Final Four dark horse. I mean, remember, this team still, you know, has not – they would have made the tournament last year. They still have to do it, you know, and, and replicating what happened last year without the fan advantage in the rack is going to be – it's going to be tough, Sarge. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the McConnell injury, I mean, they, they do have a lot of depth. Um, 
but that's going to be one of those things where you, it's, it's hard to weigh that uh, Steve Peichel plays. He's such a great defensive uh, factor. Um, you'd be a little concerned about it. Um, Again, I'm just looking forward to, 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 to actually talking about basketball. I, I got had a few questions. Um, you just posed to me, like you know, at, you know, at a party I went to last week. Uh, you know, very, very limited amount of, amount of people. By the way, it was outdoors, just for the record. Wow. You were a master in this party? <laughs> it was right. family. So, uh, yeah, family? but still, okay. yeah, I, I socially distanced for sure. Okay. But the, the, I got more questions about basketball than football, believe it or not. So, I think we've come a long way. And Dave White was not there. So, you can't <laughs> say it was Dave White. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think there's just general excitement. I, the, the one thing is, I, I, I still have no, you know, optimism whether or not they're going to be able to actually allow fans in but just to, to be able to, to to potentially have you know college basketball back i'm looking forward to it yeah, dave, dave white tried to get me to follow the uh, the court club so i followed the touchdown club instead i just i don't know if he's noticed that yet but that was that was my little my little twitter moment there last week made myself made myself laugh at least. <laughs> guys just to go back to uh you know what we talked about with the big 10 playing the season i just popped across my timeline on twitter a report is that missouri vanderbilt First SEC game not being going to be postponed. It sounds like Vanderbilt doesn't have enough, uh, you know, healthy bodies to, to play a game this coming week. And I will say this as an SEC grad, if there's a school on the country that's going to say, we're done, we're shutting this down, it's Vanderbilt. So yeah. watch that. That could be the first kind of power five school that says, no more football this fall, essentially. All right. Well, hopefully this well, time next week we'll be back talking. We'll have we'll preview a game. Can you imagine? Yeah, I, mean, I, I just want to close one thing because we talked about the roster, right? And and you know, it's not really. I mean, fans really care about it. So I'm gonna, you know, just in numbers, right? I mean, Cratch has talked about this before in the past too. So uh, a couple things from from the roster that, that kind of stood out to me. Uh, first, zero. Seeing uh, the number zero on the roster, Noah Vidral, uh, I guess uh, to wear that from the offensive standpoint, Christian Izian, who I expect to, to lock down one of the defensive back spots, um, is, is also wearing zero. Johnny Langan, I know that was his high school number, 21. Uh, Steve, uh, you know, Cratch as well. Um, two of the greatest Rutgers players in, in, you know, in, in school history have worn a number 21. Can you name them? Uh McCordy? Yes, that's one. <laughs> well, which one? Yeah, yeah there's two McCordys. Uh, Jason, I believe? Nope, Devin. Oh, crap. Okay. Uh, who else went 21? And who's the other 21? He's an offensive player. Oh, I'll give you this J.J. Jennings? He's an offensive player, and he played quarterback. He played quarterback? God, you stumped me on that one. I don't, I don't know. Is it Frank Burns? It's Frank Burns. Oh, look at Cratch. Cratch pulling it out. Frank uh, Burns wore 21 for the majority of his nice. career. There are a lot of photos online of him wearing 61, 85, a few other numbers, but he would only do that during, like, media day photos, but he wore 21. So if Johnny Langan ends up starting having a big year, you know, he'll look like Frank Burns. Wow. Also, I would say um, – to go back to roster numbers since we're hitting on that uh, yep. in terms of heights and weights, it's always a little bit tough to compare from year over year. I mean, it's not like the Middlesex County weights and measures departments coming out to certify the roster. <laughs> Zakudo Iguanogu, 22 pound gain since last year. And wow. he put a photo of himself on Twitter and it looks like Jay Butler's strength and conditioning program has been very good to him. Nice. That's going to be fascinating. Again, when you can't eyeball these things, that, that the first time we're, we're standing out there in, in East Lansing looking at the players in the field, it's going to be interesting to see how they, uh, how they all look. Let's hope we get there, Cratch. 
All right, that's it for this week. Steve Politi, James Kratz, Keith Sargent signing off. We'll be back next week to preview a football game. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.